Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, November 10th. got some SEC COVID news updates, unfortunately. Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman has tested positive for COVID after his team's win over Tennessee this weekend. The question is, how could this actually impact the volunteers? My first response is none, for a number of reasons. First, Tennessee would have had to have shown up to play the football game on Saturday to be exposed. Secondly, it means that Tennessee maybe won't have to play Texas A&M this weekend, so that assures us that they won't get embarrassed for the fifth consecutive game in a row. And lastly, we all know that COVID is airborne, so there's basically a 0% chance the Vols could catch it. On a far more serious note, LSU head coach Ed Orgeron admitted at his press conference on Monday that his team is dealing with an outbreak and that the SEC is not even sure if the Alabama and LSU game can happen now. They are dangerously close to the 53-man threshold. And remember, LSU already had to postpone the Florida game until December 12th, and it doesn't have any more slots to use. It was also announced by the SEC on Monday that Mississippi State and Auburn is going to be postponed due to a COVID outbreak in the Mississippi State program. But wait, there's more. Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher said on Monday that the Aggies have paused activities due to COVID, and Kentucky head football coach Mark Stoops said, quote, we have issues with COVID, end quote. Florida and Vanderbilt have already dealt with COVID issues, and now Arkansas, LSU, Texas A&M, Kentucky, and Mississippi State are in the middle of it. This is a perfect example of how every single league in college football should be more flexible and bake in extra time for this exact situation by pushing back the championship games, by pushing back the college football playoff official selection show, and maybe even, oh my God, pushing back a couple of bowl games, maybe a week or two, to make sure that we get the best possible championship. Unfortunately, none of this is surprising at all. Let's all hope that everyone gets healthy and stays safe. We've got a short week until the Colts get to town, so let's take a quick look at the history between Tennessee and Indianapolis. The Titans won the last meeting in Indy 31-17 last December, and it was just the third win over the Colts in their last 20 meetings. The other two wins, of course, came in the series sweep in 2017. The Titans have only beaten the Colts once at home in their last eight meetings at Nissan Stadium. The bad history between these two franchises for Titans fans has been well documented, and there are some huge differences between many of those matchups in the past and the one coming up on Thursday night. Both organizations have changed quarterbacks, head coaches, and general managers in the last few years, and so much will look different than the last time Indianapolis visited Music City. The 1917 loss last season at home was in mid-September, and Marcus Mariota was still the quarterback for the Titans. Jacoby Brissett, the Colts quarterback at the time, threw a game-winning touchdown pass to T.Y. Hilton with less than five minutes left in the game. Almost all of those names are now irrelevant. Phillip Rivers and Ryan Tannehill are, of course, the starting quarterbacks, and Hilton has been a non-factor for much of the year. He's had three receptions in his last three games, as the former Titan killer doesn't appear to be much of a target for Rivers currently. The Colts used to be all offense and no defense, and and that has almost entirely flipped as the Colts, backed by excellent drafting and development, now boast one of the best defensive units in the NFL. The Titans, formerly all defense and no offense, are the exact opposite, as issues on defense for Tennessee have also been well documented, and the offense is basically unstoppable. This matchup is a far cry from Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck facing Matt Hasselback or Zach Mettenberger. 
I say all of this to say that these teams have evolved quickly into new versions of themselves, and the history of this rivalry means basically nothing other than maybe some bad memories for fans. The Colts are second in the NFL in yards per play on defense, leading the NFL in yards per carry allowed on the ground, have intercepted more passes 11 than they've allowed touchdowns through the air 10, are now third in the NFL in scoring defense, and are second in the league with just 21 total trips allowed into the red zone. Did you get all of that? Having just faced the Steelers and Bears defenses, the Titans offense should be ready for this type of physical, aggressive, in-your-face matchup. It just won't feel like the traditional Titans-Colts games we've all been accustomed to. And my message to the team this week would be forget all that history, forget the losing streaks, put all of that in the past because this is not the same Colts team we're accustomed to seeing visit Nissan Stadium. We got some personnel updates from Mike Vrabel, if you want to call him that, during his weekly Monday press conference. The Titans have until Wednesday to make a decision on Adoree Jackson, at which point he would have to be either activated or to keep him on IR, which would end his entire season. Vrabel has said in the past that he expects Jackson to play, but that they are still evaluating him and will obviously have to make a final decision on Wednesday. Of course, Vrabel was also mum on the status of Jadavian Clowney and left guard Roger Saffold, who left Sunday's game with a shoulder injury. Reports have been swirling about the extent of Clowney's injury, with NFL Network's Mike Garofolo reporting that Clowney is dealing with a meniscus issue in his knee, which could require one of two surgeries. A cleanup could sideline the pass rusher for a few weeks, but in theory, Clowney could be back for a postseason run. Or a complete repair of the knee, which would obviously end his very lackluster first season in Nashville. For an offensive line that's already missing star left tackle Taylor Lewan and about to face the Colts, Ravens, and Colts over the next three weeks, Saffold's injury could not have come at a worse time. This group has held up fairly well without Lewan so far, but running left was this team's bread and butter, and now, if they want to do that, they're going to be following two backups. Jamil Douglas stepped in at left guard and played the final 29 snaps in place of Saffold on Sunday. Douglas, who is in his second year with the Titans, had played a grand total of nine snaps prior to his action against the Bears. Additionally, Tom Pelissaro of the NFL Network has also reported that tight end Michael Pruitt had an MRI on his right knee and will not be playing on Thursday night against the Colts. Thank you guys for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Please share the show. Tell everybody you know about 440 Sports. We do appreciate it. My name is Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, November 10th. 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. Thank you.